When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Johnny Ciotti. Hey. Hey, how are you? Excellent. Good. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to The Tent. It's another one of our special editions. We've got uh, Scott Thelman here with Johnny Ciotti, Tenant's creative director and one of the more talented aquarists I know. And um, we're here to take on some new topics today. You know, this is funny. Uh, when uh, I was talking to you, Johnny, before the, we, were, we were planning out what we were going to talk about today, I was telling you, yeah, we have some, uh, some Q&As. We have a lot of questions this time. I guess the longer we go between episodes, the more questions we get. So we've got some good ones. So I was sorting through them. They're going to a few targeted right to you and then a few for both of us to play with. So we'll have a fun Q&A. And um, I guess we're going to start in on our topic today, right, that we were uh, planning out. Um, yeah, we we yeah. actually planned a topic. This is scary. This is... Up somebody asks, so it's yeah. a little bit. <laughs> it's so much easier making them up than it is to actually plan. But today, uh, the topic is maintenance. And this is from uh, Tally Aquascaper on Instagram. And I, I guess the gist of it was the what are the essentially what are the maintenance practices that we use in in our botanical style aquariums? How do they differ maybe from regular aquariums? And what do we do? Um, and I think we'll just kind of take a stab at that what do you think johnny you just kind of cruise right into it i think we should just go go right into it go right into it okay well um why don't we start with the basics of of maintenance like i'm going to say generality and then if you have a a a, something to add or or a a point you want to make just jump in so my thinking is this on on maintenance as far as i'm concerned the maintenance is not that much different than on a conventional aquarium i think a botanical style aquarium it just requires the basics of aquarium maintenance water exchanges monitoring the water quality and you know not overstocking all the 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 things that we should know just keeping one-on-one obviously the the bigger consideration as we'll get into is you're having a lot of decomposing stuff in your tank um but that's not cause for like worry or that's going to be a big problem it's you just have to deal with the tank with a different type of bio load and what is your thinking on this, Johnny? Now you've done plenty of these types of things. Is there something? Yeah, that you know, out? I think I think that that's uh, there. There, well, I think that there's misconceptions that need to be addressed. Um, Absolutely. I guess even before going into the maintenance, and then there's also what your expectations are, leveling those. Mm-hmm. And Good point. you know what kind of habitat you are, um, you know, mimicking, and so all of those are going to play somewhat of a role in how you maintain the environment. So there's no one just, you know, catch all kind of this. Right. It's it. Um, but there, there are things that I can definitely recommend. And I think that we're going to find at the end of the conversation that Scott does things completely different than I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, th- there are similarities and, that we but both. That's okay. Yeah. And that's, and that's okay, okay too. That's the, that's right. the, the fun part. Well, like uh, let's talk about your first part where you talked about, let's, let's talk about like, what type of environment you want to create and how that has a bearing on how you maintain the tank. I mean, well, there's, there's a different, yeah, there's, there's different types of environments, but the misconceptions that come along with each one of those are, you know, because you have breaking down um, or decaying um, material, they're, they're, uh, you know, assumed or people presume that 
that is somehow going to cause um, an issue, elevated nitrate, elevated nitrite, um, you know, phosphates, all phosphates that stuff. et cetera. Um, and, and I could tell you not only just anecdotally based on my experience, but you know, there's some data behind it as well. And we discussed this one yesterday, mm-hmm. it just simply isn't the case. Um, yeah. It just simply isn't part of it. Um, so getting those misconceptions out of the way of, because this aquarium looks different, um, doesn't necessarily mean that it is somehow dirty when it appears as such. It's that's, exactly. that's part of the appeal. It's, that, it's may be, that may be the biggest misconception about botanical style blackwater aquariums is that because the color <laughs> of the water, we've talked about that so many times, but we can't say it enough. Just because the color is different does not imply dirtiness. Um, it just right. It, it's not dirty. It's, um, you know, it's, it's sort of stained or uh, it's got a shade going on there. It's tinted. Um, and that's a, that's a quality to the water. Um, it, it doesn't imply that it's, it's necessarily dirty. We've just been told that if it's not right. crystal clear, that somehow it's, um, it's dirty. And, and that's, um, it's not in, necessarily in, the case. In fact, wild blackwater habitats, as Ty Streitman would tell you, uh, from our conversation a few weeks back, is they are considered by ecologists to be some of the most impoverished waters. In other words, low right. mineral content, low nutrient load, etc. The water itself is is actually pretty clean by by standards. Obviously, it's not something you want to drink right after. You know, most of us don't. But well, yeah, but even some of those environments are very are low in bacteria free floating, right. you know, in the water column, there's really small amounts. And that's why yeah. it's so important to, you know, and we can get this into a, a different topic, but I think it, it, it plays a role in maintenance is maintaining uh, a proper um, microbiome. Exactly. I, I think Agreed. that's a, a huge aspect of it. And so most of my maintenance revolves around keeping a healthy system. And not in the traditional sense. It's a more holistic approach. And I think that's, that's where we do agree. Um, it's about bringing the biome along with your, your aquarium. And, and that has to do with also, I think, when you start an aquarium, it's not, you're not just you know, starting an aquarium, throw the fish in, you know, plants, whatever you're going to do. Here it's thinking about it holistically and saying, well, what are the levels of life that occur in a natural ecosystem, particularly in a system that's powered by leaves and decomposing stuff you know that's when you start thinking about primarily from the start bacteria that's why we're so high on without sending too commercialized that's why we're so high on the big uh the release of culture our new purple non-sulfur bacteria product because it is literally the the foundation of the microbiome in a botanical well it's it's the it's the foundation but it's an interesting one because we talked about trophic levels um Mm -hmm. you know earlier it's also you know kind of where the buck stops um, it, it's, yeah. it's what cleans and polishes up everything. And so as, as things sort of trip, trickle down, um, it's, it's really what's making it all, um, become complete. Uh, it, I mean, it's, it's a cycle though, too. It, it it's goes right. back around. So, um, interesting one, um, it's a topic all in itself, but, uh, I, I yeah. guess to, to address sort of your question there is, um, well, how, how do we address the topic? <laughs> well, well, let's start. Okay. Well, when you start an aquarium, when you start a, a botanical style aquarium, we, we start up our aquariums fairly similarly, I think, right. You and I, um, or maybe not. I mean, I, 
I think lately I'm working more with these weird substrates. So that's a big deal for me, a substrate with a lot of, you know, sediment and then a lot of decomposing plant material. My thinking on that is, is it helps establish or provide food for that microbiome, whether that's bacteria or if at some later point you add crustaceans, which is something we've really never talked about, like adding like, you know, Daphnia and bloodworms sure. and stuff like that to actually to the environment. And like, I know some people that have done that and they've done that with success. I've done that in marine tanks. We do that all the time. We add, you know, little starter cultures of coralline algae and stuff like that, but we don't talk about that much in freshwater. And I think that's a huge thing that has a lot to do with how your tank will run. When you establish that level of life that we either don't see or just try to eliminate in most freshwater aquariums, when you establish that in a botanical style tank, it really sets the tone. It, it, it does. Um, there, you know, and, and I swear we'll get back on the topic of, um, yeah, we're way off uh, but... <laughs> of, of maintaining, but I think a, a lot of uh, the stocking or the ideas of populating an aquarium, they really kind of stop at, well, these are the fish that I'm going to put in there. And, and then usually it doesn't go beyond that. It's it, sometimes there's, well, then I'm also going to add these plants and you're like, right. oh, okay, cool. But what bacteria are you going to put in there? You know, that's, that's, right, a, right, that's right. a conversation that we should be having. Um, you know, what are the micro crustaceans and, and the little invertebrates that we're going to be putting in there? Um, what are those things? And I'm not saying that Tannin's going to come out with a product or anything like that at any point in time that, that offers <laughs> some of those elements, but, um, we're not saying that we're not saying anything we're not like saying that. that at all. No, but you know, um, uh, like any product that we do when we do it, it it'll be right. And it's going to take yep. a while to get there. So, um, yeah, you know, keep, keep, uh, keep your piggy bank, uh, <laughs> <laughs> your, your, your wallet loose and your eyes open. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, but, um, uh, you know, I think, I think a huge, huge part of this is, you know, what are we trying to get and, um, what environment are we, we, you know, mimicking, how are we going to effectively maintain that environment in, in what are we establishing? And so maintenance starts with the, the implementation. It starts at the time. So the second the aquarium is an aquarium, once all of the components have been added, maintenance is, is starting effectively immediately. Um, And so, you know, it's how, how do we, how do we sustain the ecosystem. And so rather than thinking of it as maintenance, it's how do we um, sustain this thing? Ecosystem sustain is ecosystem sustenance. That's the word I'm tripping over myself. Right. And so that's more about food and right culture and, and not, not just pushing our product out there. No, no, no. But nurturing things and, um, and fostering (laughs) all of the, the elements um, and, and what we're trying to, um, to achieve. And so right. it's less of maintaining. I don't want to th- think about aquarium a, as a chore, right? Chore. Or as like, yeah. it's not, we're not taking out the trash guys. We're, we're right. trying to make a system that, that works. It's, uh, and I, I swear I won't use a, an analogy about politics or, um, economy <laughs> or anything those, but I like, love those analogies. Keep going. Yeah. It's, it's just, but we're, we're thinking about more of a holistic approach and main in maintaining it in a different matter. We're making sure that everything is put in there so that it doesn't need, um, you know, a massive amount of input from us. So, uh, a delicate persuasion of events. It's just, um, 
it's a little bit different. So, well, it, you know, it, it, it's funny now that we're, we're several minutes into this and we're still tripping over ourselves on this. It, it, we're realizing that the idea of maintenance as we has, as is popular, popularly perceived is actually a little harder to talk about than we thought, because our approach is so different, I think, than the mainstream approach to aquarium keeping, because here we are talking about establishing a microbiome. We're talking about botanical inputs and stuff such as food. We're talking about right. nurturing an entire aquarium. That's radically different than the add, you know, water, change water, change the carbon in your fil- that that's not our approach. Our approach, I think, simplistically is look at it as if you're building a, new, a little ecosystem. But but really think about it in terms of not just like, oh yeah, there's fish, there's plants, there's you know bacteria in the in the gravel. No. There are microorganisms which feed specifically that which act specifically on botanicals. There are organisms like fungi, bacteria that actually break these things down. And to keep them happy, you got to keep everybody happy. It's an it's an intertwined little ecosystem. And I think that's a great approach. And if you do anything too radical, you got to compensate somewhere else. I agree. And 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 we're not just like you said, we're sustaining. And that's a great that's a great way to put it, because sustaining involves replacing leaves as they break down, not just because it looks cool or whatever, but because that's what happens in nature, too. When you think about it, right, the stream that flows through the rainforest, trees, you know, drop their leaves and, you know, the seasons change, the leaves drop, some leaves drop continuously. Uh, river channels go into the forest and pick up nutrients in the soil is a constant input and export of nutrients. And yeah, there's there's ever changing um, environmental factors. There's, the there's flux. There's it's a very dynamic environment, um, you know, outside of the aquarium and then inside right. the aquarium. If if you are implementing those things, you know, if you're making it a more realistic environment and introducing fluctuation, which I know so many people are like, no, 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 no. stability, stability, stability. I'm like, I dare right. I say that. Um, stability if anything makes a very complacent um <laughs> system and and complacency and dependent is, on things yeah, yeah it that so dependency and, and complacency those aren't those aren't things that we're necessarily trying to achieve in this type of environment um you know and i think a way to address this one as well is um uh maybe against pop culture here but i'm a big matthew mcconaughey fan and, mm. um, you know, I think he just recently had a, a thing on Joe Rogan or something. Um, but there, there's an old talk that I remember of him talking about, you know, how to define who you are. Um, the first thing that you need to do is uh, define what you are not. And Ooh, there you go. I think I, I use this a lot for aquarium um, philosophy is let's establish what a blackwater aquarium isn't. It, it is not a sterile environment. No, it's not a nature aquarium uh, per se in the, the, the sense that's been adopted by aquarium culture. Um, you know, I would is, call it a natural aquarium as opposed to a right. nature aquarium. So yeah. it's, it's not a thing that needs constant input. It's not a thing that needs um, dicking with. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, it's a very different kind of environment. And so it's, it's not something um, that requires you to live. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal for kind of get over that and be like, well, 
what happens if I don't dose magnesium every day? You know, right, it's like, well, right, yeah, right. you know, yeah, everything dies. And so this is a little bit different and yeah, things may die, but it, it will, it will also be something yeah. else. Well, I think that you're right. I think that what happens in uh, you're drawing the reef tank analogy and our reef tank is dependent on external inputs like, you know, trace elements, uh, you know, minerals, water exchanges, all that stuff to feed the coral to do this because they're not producing internal food sources. Um, you know, the nutrients build up and they're not exported completely or thoroughly. Whereas in, in what we're, the systems that we're doing, you're literally, if you, if you do it the way we talk about it, you're literally turning over your aquascape. You're turning over the keys to fungi and bacteria and saying, Hey guys, it's yours. Go for it. Take, take charge. Yeah. And they're breaking down the leaves for you. They're utilizing the nutrients within the leaves within the botanicals they're they're making you know their own they're constructing a food web if we don't the want of a better word if we don't fuck with it if we don't interfere with it right and i think as hobbyists we tend to think overzealously when it comes to maintenance and things and i think that's why the word maintenance becomes so onerous as johnny sort of pointed out mm-hmm. in the beginning because it's all about taking stuff out and polishing out this stuff and we've had millions of discussions about this over the years johnny but You've always said, you know, we tend to polish things out and, and that's a good generic term because that's what we tend to do in maintenance is we tend to just want to remove things we don't want. Oh, water changes, got to siphon the soil. You know, think about this when you're breaking into the substrate to take some stuff out, you're robbing somebody of their food source. Detritus is used as food by a lot of organisms. Yeah. Detritus removal is uh, fish aquarium disenfranchisement. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> just, it's not appropriate. Well, let's just not do that, guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you, I'm not saying ditch the siphon hose, but you don't need to go aggressively and start taking stuff out. That's the old question we get a lot, right? Do you take the leaves out or do you leave them in when they start breaking down? Yeah, and I think you said the, the word there. Um, you know, these aquariums are not something you approach aggressively. So mm-hmm. this is not an aggressive thing. This is a this is a very passive, um, relaxed environment. We're allowing nature to take its course. Um, so I, I feel as though we've, faith in nature. we've yeah. really established, yeah, what what it is not. And so, um, you know, rather than defining it, we at least know what it's not. And um, I think a lot of the maintenance starts at putting the right things in. So before we even start to remove or uh, jumble up or redesign or categorize and box things up inside the aquarium in our attempt to make it what we, what we want or force things to be. Um, let's just talk about the, the factors. So we have a somewhat stable environment outside of it. I don't, I don't maintain my aquariums with heaters. I know people are yeah. like, well, that's a, that's not maintenance. I'm like, that absolutely is. You're, you are about the environment you are. Yeah. You are, you know, changing the environment. You are, uh, you know, maintaining the environment. Uh, right. So my aquariums, they don't use heaters. They haven't for a very long time. Um, these, these fishes mostly come from areas that, you know, inhabit areas that are pretty comfortable, like my home. Um, so that's one thing I don't do. Uh, is I, I don't put a heater in the aquarium. I find that it's a lot easier to maintain and not worry about the problems because the fish are accustomed to 
um, having a degree of fluctuation. My fish are just a little bit more badass than everybody else's fish. They come from like the, the school of hard knocks where, you know, it might not be uh, 78 degrees all the time, uh, yeah. which is not good for bacterial populations. That's not good um, at maintaining a healthy fish. Um, they're, they're more susceptible to pathogens and all sorts of things when you're keeping an environment that just stays the way it is. Um, you know, it's a breeding ground for, for the bad things. So um, what I don't do is, uh, you know, put a heater in there. And I think that's a huge part of maintenance. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you do, Scott? Well, you know, I'm, I'm going back and forth. It's, it's funny you should mention this because, you know, I'm playing with some little nanotanks in my new house. And, you know, nanotanks are always a challenge with heaters because you, either they're too, too big, too small, or just too, too obtrusive. And the last couple of tanks I set up, I'm like, screw the heater. And, I, you know, quite frankly... I have not had any issues I, and I've, I've, I've struggled with that now in my bigger tanks, for some reason, I think it's the reefer in me that is like, I have to have some kind of technology, the, the reefer, but, or the reefer, the reef, <laughs> yeah, well, that, the, the reef, that. The, the reef, reef keeper. the reef keeper in me. Yeah, I guess I should say the reefer. Uh, yeah. The reef keeper in me because I, um, I will find that like, I don't know. It's funny because a larger body of water is more stable. So why do I worry about bigger things? I don't know. It's just a weird thing. I haven't let go of, but in talking to you and, and senior, what Mike Tucanardi was telling us and what Ty talked about, about these water temperatures get pretty cold. I'm starting to think in terms of, with the exception of very few fish, maybe like rams and discus that are just notably come from very warm water temperatures. I don't necessarily, I, I agree with you. I don't necessarily think we have to have heaters. They might live longer, eat less, eliminate less, metabolize less. Will this affect their breeding? I don't know. But we're, our focus is primarily not breeding here, so I couldn't tell you. But, even then, even then, I've I've noticed a lot of fish will breed, um, or you can uh, you know set off uh, the the breeding um, by well, simply doing a large water change. I mean, in that that again, right? It's an old trick, right? That's a different topic, but um, well, uh, you know, but 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 that's a really great question though. That you, when you talked about a temperature as as part of the maintenance thing, because and and how your fish are are essentially stronger because they're enduring a little bit of environmental fluctuation. And when you think about it, this is not like a coral reef where it's a super stable environment. The, a lot of the environments that our fishes, tropical freshwater fishes come from are kind of, they, like you said, they're in flux. You know, the temperatures change, the nutrient loads change. Indeed, the entire environment changes. Like, you know, if you talk about the agapo where the water comes in and recedes over time, uh, they're dealing with inputs of all kinds of, you know, branches and trees and things that fall into the water that the physical environment's changing uh, i remember ty was talking about some areas had much more current at different times of the year so fishes are accustomed to change maybe maybe do you think that it's almost we've created a sort of a a narrative in the aquarium hobby that says you have to maintain things at a stable way because it's, it gives everybody the best possible chance for success or because it, I, it's yeah, absolutely. Or, I, I think we've created it. Right. I've never had a fish die from being too cold. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I think we've created a narrative and not only aquarium keeping, but this kind of branches out into all aspects of life that everything is as if it's always been the way that you perceive it now. Yeah. And I, you yeah. know, I know that that's a, that's word salad there. But, meta. No, 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 no. That um, makes sense though. You know, it, things were different before you were around. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm, I'm, it, not everything has always been the way it is. Um, yeah. And you know, what 
you perceive as a, a an environment um, that fish live in it is probably the picture of somebody else's picture of somebody else's picture. And, and you know, yeah. um, that's not really how it is. And so you have fish that have lived between fast flowing, shallow uh, creek bed. And then at one point in time are essentially living in uh, someone's front lawn. Uh, <laughs> literally it, it's, yeah. it's flooding. So, right. Uh, you know, the, the environments are not, stable they're cyclical and and so they're dynamic and fluid they're dynamic and fluid and they they do the same thing almost as if it were set by clockwork um you know every season it does seasonal changes um there are seasonal changes but by no means is the environment stable it's um it it varies and in your, you're so true to form. And we were, Johnny and I were just talking yesterday, we were talking about the annual killifish. And remember, we were talking about how they're, they're so intimately tied into their environment, especially the ones that live in these little temporal pools that dry up at certain times of the year. Their whole life cycle is geared around their environment. Right. And when you think about it, most fish's whole life cycle is geared around their environment. They migrate to different areas. The fish density is different in different areas because of the food. They're following the food throughout different times of the year when the water level's low. In, in, for example, in those South American jungles, you know, they're following the, they're eating insects because the insects are falling out of the trees. When the water is high, they're eating fruits and allochthonous input, stuff that falls in from the trees, fruits and picking at, you know, whatever, epiphytes. Right. So the, the, you're right. The environment is so dynamic. And boy, we're, we're going, I don't think we're going that far off course, but I think you really hit a great point here is that the botanical style aquarium is sort of an embrace of that dynamic. Sure, you can keep something stable temperature if you want. You don't have to. But, but the reality is the environment is constantly changing. And it right. doesn't seem to cause stress for our fishes. In all the years I've been doing this, and you've been doing this, we've been doing this a long time. We, the problems that you have are when you have sudden, rapid, you know, dy- huge changes. You know, pH changes and, you know, sure. uh, dramatic water you know shifts or, or you remove something from the environment like you said you you, you clean the, the 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 sand bed too thoroughly and you kill off bacteria you can you could conceivably have a pneumonia or a nitrate more of what what we're not doing so i'm not we're not doing dramatic that. changes i'm not Mm-mm. doing huge slow things it's it's slow moves there's smaller moves um it's a little bit different uh than than the other ways you know certain types it's of cons- aquariums are are, are maintained yeah, it's consistency within a dynamic environment. So you're doing the same things over time, but you're not locking into like, oh, the water, the temperature has to be this. The pH has to be this. The, you, you're letting things fluctuate a little bit. And that's the beauty of a botanical aquarium because from the minute you set it up, the environment is changing. <laughs> Stuff's breaking down. Bacteria's coming Bingo. in. And, Bingo. And that's the whole game. And if you sit there and try to actively manage every aspect of it, take every leaf out before it starts breaking down, you're never letting it evolve to what it needs to be. And that's my next point is I'm not, I'm not overly cleaning the substrate. I'm not removing the leaves. Um, you know, I remove them if they get stuck on a filter grate or a, right. an input pipe or something along those lines, because they got right. stirred up or the flu, you know, the flow moved them right. there. Um, but that's something that I'm not doing. So I'm, I am taking out water. Um, I'm doing it periodically. Um, with planted aquariums, I used to do two water changes a week, 50% or more, you know, uh, on these aquariums I'm doing, 
you know, sometimes 10% once a week, sometimes 50% a different week. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm taking out less than 10% in one week and, uh, I'll take out, you know, more than 50% in a different week. It, it just depends on kind of really on my schedule and what I have time to do. And, um, right. If I've been feeding heavier than normal, which is another aspect of, of input, sometimes I'm putting in a lot of food and sometimes I forget for days, you know, it, yeah. it just depends on my interaction and, and guess um, what? the fish don't die. They don't <laughs> No, And that's, you know. that's the thing with, with botanical aquariums. And I don't need to tell you this, but, um, our, our listeners may want to know, you know, there are aquariums that we've both kept Scott and I, um, where the fish don't get fed and yeah. they, they definitely never starve. And if anything, you know, you look at our fish and there's some of the fattest, happiest fish. And so, yep. um, part of leaving the system alone to a degree, um, you know, it, it produces a lot of its own, um, you know, needs it's yeah. growing its own food. I agree. And I think we, as an, as an aquarium hobbyist have spent the better part of the last century trying so hard to manage the system that we've been actually dismantling the system and interfering with natural processes that the fish, if, if they could talk, they'd say, leave us alone. Now, water exchanges are good. You've just heard Johnny and I both are big believers in water exchanges. You can't not change water and expect to have a healthy system over the long term. That's my personal opinion. I'm sure you'll agree with me. Uh, it's a closed system. You got to have some export of nutrients beyond just, you know, the, the system assimilating. Right. And that, that's, it is what it is. And you get a concentrated, you know, waste material in, in a water smaller body of water. Stream, water flows out of the stream. I can take water. Right. I can put it in or out. I, I do exchange it though. It's not a, you know, it's a water exchange. Right. Um, not water change. Exactly. I am, you know, replacing that water with pure, pure RO, you know, um, Correct. very, very low TDS. My TDS, um, coming out of the reverse osmosis system is anywhere between be. zero and one. Yeah. You no, know, it's, it's, we're both, we both use pure RODI. So it, it's good. pure that's RODI. Um, I'm not never me remineralize. No, I'm not nope. remineralizing it at all. Um, uh, I am, however, doing the finger test. I kind of test the water on the way in and I test, uh, the tank and okay, cool. If they're, they're close enough to, to feel similar then then I pour the water in. Right. Um, this is the thing that I do differently. Um, you know, sometimes I soak a, a sachet of shade into my top off water or into yep. my makeup water, whatever I'm, I'm exchanging from the aquarium. And sometimes I don't. And, um, you know, it just kind of depends on, on, on the flavor and the mood of the week. And if I forgot or, or what, I, it's not the end of the world. And you know what? It mimics the natural process because the weather isn't always consistent. Some weeks you get rain and whatever's in the water is diluted. Some weeks you don't and more stuff decomposes in the water. Perhaps more tannins are input into the water in a smaller volume of water in, in a pool in nature or whatever. Then they're diluted later on by rain or by more current. Pretty much everything we do has some sort of a natural analog. You know, just adding additional botanicals to an aquarium that's established is essentially like what we talked about leaf drop. And I consider right. that for one of a better term, that is maintenance. That is, part and it of the maintenance. is maintenance. That's, that's the yeah. thing that I do. I add yeah. leaves. Um, sometimes yeah. I add a lot. Sometimes I add one or two. Most of the time, you know, 
I'm, I'm throwing in just a few and letting them float around on the top. And then they sink down after a quick rinse, you know, it just, uh, get off any of the debris or, you know, our botanicals are very, very clean, very pure botanicals. Um, they're collected from the, the best of environments. Uh, so they're not things that I add without, you know, uh, w- with question they're, they're safe. Um, but beyond that, sometimes I'm like, ah, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of in the hankering for a lot of leaves. And so I'll boil some up and pour them in. Um, but leaf, um, or releafing and, and adding those additions back into the aquarium. I, I find that part of, um, the sustenance. I find that part of the sustainability and maintaining the yep. environment, um, is, is the, you know, the constant and new input. Um, and I do that, you know, sometimes right after a water change. And so, you know, new water comes in and, and some, some leaves flow downstream and it's a pretty natural process. Um, and it's kind of an aesthetic refresh too. When you think about it and you get to re rescape your tank, so to speak, bingo. every time you do water change, yeah. I don't have to stick my hands in it. They land wherever they land. That's the look. Yeah. Um, and it's also something that keeps that. It's what makes uh Oh God. Uh, it, it's what makes, you know, anything that doesn't last forever. So beautiful. Um, yeah. My aquarium, again. it's very, very light intense. Sometimes it's very, very dark and saturated. Sometimes there's a lot of leaves. Sometimes there's not a lot of leaves it keeps it different. So when I look at the aquarium, something that would be rather static, um, you know, this, this tangled root branch or rocks or whatever it happens to be, um, you know, the fish are adding a dynamic movement to it, but the entire aquarium is fluctuating and changing and it's, it's constant, it's new, it's fresh. Um, and there's always something different to enjoy about it. It's just even where the leaves are placed or the, the tonality. Exactly. And as, and as stuff breaks down, it takes on a different look. It takes right. on that patina bio cover and it ultimately, you know, breaks apart and turns into detritus, which in and of itself is beautiful as well. Uh, it, it's, it's that mental shift again, that you hear Johnny and I talk about all the time, that mental shift that, that you don't have to keep things perfectly pristine and white for it to be beautiful. And I think that's a, that's a tough thing for a lot of people to grasp because it's contrary to, to, everything we've been brought up to believe in the hobby and it seems radical, but really it's not, it's just meeting nature where it is. And this is the, this, I'm glad that you said that about not keeping everything pristine and it's not this radical thing. And this is where I sort of diverge from those other things that we've talked about and accepting Mm -hmm. is glass maintenance of the oh, yeah. physical architecture of the aquarium and the equipment, however, is not privy to, um, there, there's no reprieve for, for yeah. dirty glass. Um, in my book, you're fanatical about that. Yep. Yeah. It's, um, every day, every day I use a razor blade across the water's edge all the way around, uh, on every aquarium. Um, I run it across the front pane of glass and, you know, on the side panes a couple of times a week. And, um, you know, every week at minimum, this is kind of the only reason I do a water change, uh, half the time is, um, you know, I pull my lily pipes cause I enjoy glass lily pipes and, uh, you know, inflow outflow. I think they're aesthetically yeah. pleasing. If I'm not using an all-in-one aquarium, I simply dip them into the bucket and, uh, I run, you know, a little ADA filter brush through them and the, the, the clear silicone tubing. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I do that, but. I am fanatical. I run, you know, a toothbrush across every seam of the glass all the way to the bottom. I make sure that the front 
uh, the glass is, is clean to the substrate. And then even then I go just, just, just into the substrate. Um, I just don't think there's any um, excuse for having dirty glass. The exterior yeah. of the, the cabinet and the glass, I, I spray with RO water and I wipe it down with a microfiber cloth. Um, I keep dust off of my light fixtures. Um, you know, it's just being tidy. So the physical environment around the tank and, right. and, and in the tank itself are really important. The, 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 uh, the environment is one thing, but the actual tank architecture, the structure, that's important to keep it very clean. I know you're fanatical about that because the most stressful thing for me is when Johnny's like, okay, I'm going to photograph your tank today. And I sit there and I scrub, I do the best I can until John walks in and goes, Oh, are you, did, you didn't clean it yet. Did you? So it's like, that's a, you, you have a level that's real high. And maybe that's from your time working with Jeff Sensky. I don't know. Do you think that's that, or you oh, always that ab- way? Absolutely. I've, I've always been sort of that way. There's a, there's a different vibe in a, a home that's been well-maintained and a home yeah. that um, is typically not well-maintained and, and is clean yeah. right before guests come over. Um, yep. You know, if there's any one lesson from Jeff that I've learned, um, it, it's it's maintaining um, in that yeah. sense. It's um, it's conditioning of the aesthetic and it's maintaining that aspect, which is, you know, not what you would traditionally talk about in an aquarium and, you know, things that I do on a daily basis. I feed yeah. my fish usually sometimes I'll forget for a couple of days, but uh, or just simply too busy. They're not going to die. Go ahead, send me hate mail, whatever. Um, <laughs> but I feed the fish and I, sp- I spray or I add culture into the aquarium, depending on what I'm doing. And then I spray the rim of the tank and the glass with reverse osmosis water. And I mm-hmm. get the buildup of the film because, you know, if you're, if you're going around the edge, uh, the tank just never needs a major overhaul. And I think a lot of people, they make maintenance, this gross, gritty, dirty thing because right. they're not interacting. It's like a once a month thing. Yeah. It's this big, yeah. big, arduous, you know, process of, of, of having to do so much to it. And if you do little bits every single day, it, it doesn't take you very long. Um, and right. making an enjoyable process, enjoy the equipment that you use around it. Um, and like you said, you're right. interacting and like you said, you're interacting with your aquarium on a continuous basis. And I think that's that's a really good point that we don't talk about a lot is that that interaction with your aquarium. You have an intimate relationship with your tank. You, you know exactly what's normal for that tank. And so when something deviates from what the normal is, even if there is some you know change in the tank, you'll know it right away because you look at the thing every day on a real close level. So, so our, you can see already, you know, it, it took us a while to get there, but you can see our approach to maintenance is not necessarily radical, but it's subtly different than what we've been, you know, brought up to do in the hobby. Uh, and a lot of it involves embracing the aquarium as an ecosystem and understanding that what you do impacts the ecosystem. And some of it's good, some of it's not so good, but you don't have to be fanatical about, you know, hitting pH target numbers or I have to have to have zero nitrate or whatever, you know, whatever your thing is that you're motivated right. by. It's about consistency over time. And I think that's whatever it is that you do consistency. And that's a good place to be. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, so I think that's uh that that's the place that we yeah. should be trying to get to. So, you know, and as, as you so eloquently put it one time, 
he said what we do in at Tannen or what we do in the botanical style of crime, we're that we operate at the delta, the intersection between science and art. And and I think you hit it on the head there because what you're doing is part of the art is keeping things looking great, and the science is having faith in nature and the ecology in your system that imparts a certain look just by doing what it's done for eons. And we just have to be comfortable with letting nature do some of the things that she does. And some of those things look differently than what we're, you know, what we've been accustomed to. Different doesn't necessarily mean bad or dirty. And what we do or don't do is completely dependent on how we feel about our aquarium. Uh couldn't have said it better myself and unless i had already said that before yeah (laughs) you might have said it already who knows (laughs) so you know what we i think we 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 beat the crap out of that topic pretty effectively and i think we we've made our points there why don't we pull into the old uh email bag and we've got some questions for us especially some for you johnny got some am i do i get fan mail mail or is it more like uh you actually do get well well funny you should say that here's a here's a good one this is from evelyn c from halifax nova scotia in canada says hey scott and johnny love listening to the tin podcast you guys are so with lots of lots of o's so funny and your voices just calm me down does that sound weird (laughs) no it doesn't sound weird (laughs) i really enjoy things (laughs) i i appreciate that that's it's just the microphone i swear i don't sound like this in real life yeah, no, you you do actually. You have a good voice, and and people tell me I have a good voice, and I'm like, I have the worst voice. No, I, I think so I think it's I, guess, I think it's you know, good. We, I was going to say something mean, but I just wouldn't. I don't. I don't so, agree. I think I think it's a good one. Oh, oh, good. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Nice, nice. So anyway, Evelyn goes on to ask and says, Scott, I see you write a lot about turbidity and sedimentation and color of the water. Do do you think? And does Johnny agree? Do you think turbidity in an aquarium is not a problem? Mm, it this. I want to. I want to hit that from two it angles. It depends but, on what is causing the turbidity. What's causing it, right? Uh, I would say if you are right. noticing a heavy rolling of cloud in the aquarium environment, you might have a, a an instability with your bacterial population or maybe that there is a bloom or something going on that's feeding on a source or um, is generally unhappy or maybe too happy. Something is, is off now. um, Contrary to popular belief, because I hear this all the time, um, black water environments. I mean, even from some of the most popular outlets for information um, and aquarium keeping will be like black water aquariums are, you know, really still in stagnant water. And I'm like, that's full of crap. Um, they're they're not, some of them are very, very fast flowing. And I keep a lot of current in some of my aquariums and you know, it, it keeps things in suspension. There are particulate and pieces of leaves and, um, there are, uh, you know, bits of, uh, you know, substrate that are flying around the tank and, um, you know, that that's, that's turbid. Um, it's adding to the, the turbidity of the water. Um, I don't think that's a negative. So, no, no. And, and, and quite honestly, it's very natural. If you look in a lot of these natural water system, aquatic systems, the water isn't perfectly, you can't see down to the bottom completely crystal clear all the time. There's a little bit of turbidity. And you, you mentioned the very fact that we keep decomposing leaves and 
wood and things like that, lignans, all these things start, you know, decomposing and, and, and entering the water column. So occasionally the water won't be crystal clear. It might have a little slight turbidity to it. And as John mentioned, as long as it's not like a bacterial type thing where you're seeing other problems, fish gasping at the surface or whatever, I just say enjoy Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Enjoy it. Accept it. Um, and dare I say, because um, I, I do get asked this one often, I, I've never brought it up here, but people will be like, how do you get that look in a photo? And it's, it's not, a lot of the times it's not <laughs> like lens choice or some magical thing I'm doing with a camera. Um, it's, it's uh, setting the tone in the environment. I will, I will oftentimes use a little turkey baster right after I got a couple of clear um, aquarium shots and, and I'll kick up some, some detritus and add to the, to the environment. Um, nice. You know, when, when we're producing a commercial um, in, in the Hollywood world, uh, you know, you'll, you'll see us use hazers, um, you know, or basically a very fine fog machine right. that are adding atmosphere. And um, these are the things that help, um, you know, one control light or a bloom um, or an effect. And, you know, I quite like that. So I think some of the the magic and the mystery behind a, you know, a, a tannin photograph is, is really, um, you know, getting turbidity in there. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, again, accepting. Yeah. Pro tip, what kick, kick up some us. leaves and dirt. I think that's super important. There you go. Ditch the blow dryer and, you know, you have the, you have the the ADA tanks always have the blow dryer that ripple the water surface. Forget the water surface. Yeah. Turn up the, the substrate. Good good tip. All right. Here's another one for us. This is from Brooke in Telluride, Colorado. Hey, guys. Love. Boy, lots of use of, the, of, uh, of extra O's. Nice. Love the show. And I wanted to ask you a quick question. How long do you think on the average it takes to get a blackwater botanical style aquarium to mature? Ooh, that's a good question. And the word mature is an interesting one. You want to take first stab at that one? To mature. That's a... That's a whole topic right there. What do you define as mature? Yeah, right? that's... A, that, you know... Chemically stable. Well, I think we were talking about this the other day when we were talking about, you know, setting up and establishing an aquarium. Um, mature and established, I think, are different. Yeah. Um, one is a, is a perception and the other one's a function. Um and, you know, I, I, I guess this is, it all depends on your perception um, of what you are, are thinking is mature. For, for me, um, it's, yeah. it's many, many months um, before the aquarium takes on an aesthetic right. of maturity. Uh, maturation is, is more than a process. It's an accumulation of, of grit um, and, and patina you know, it's, mm-hmm. um, and, and in our right. case, it's, it's detritus, it's biofilm, it's leaves that are curled up. Right. Water yeah. And, and I, I don't think of it as an, just an accumulation or a, a, a numerical value of something that is what gets you to maturity. Um, it, it's not the amount of times you've visited the DMV that makes you mature. It's how you react, um, after sitting in there for 12 <laughs> hours, uh, for your 300th time. So yeah, that's, <laughs> that's maturity. Um, so it's, it's the quality <laughs> of the age. And I think that it takes a very long time to reach a, a level of, of quality. 
um, in, in the biofilms or in the decomposition and the detritus, um, the aesthetic of the leaves. That, that's, I think, why when They're people crispy. show me their new Blackwater or botanical style aquarium, it's crispy and it's exciting to see this beautiful, pristine tank. And, you know, I, I sometimes when I'm talking to these people, I just know that they haven't made that mental shift and they're going to be really disappointed three weeks from now when the biofilms start forming and the leaves start breaking out. I think they have the snapshot of it has to be this perfect way all the time when the reality is a, a botanical style Blackwater Aquarium is is more of a journey than a destination. Yes. And, you know, you enjoy it all along the way. And that maturity, maturity is, sure, you could say chemically, you, you know, the, nit- the, the nitrogen cycle is established, boom, it's mature. But it's mature in the sense that it can function as a standalone ecosystem. But yeah, but that's not mature in terms of. We talked about this the other day about about journeys, um, and they're they're analogous in one degree of of talking about things in quality, not necessarily in quantity or in destination. And I have sort of two ways of thinking about things. One is a, is a term that's oftentimes used in photography. And another one is just simply about traveling, um, on a road trip. And I think of this maturity or this, this aesthetic of an aquarium or a blackwater aquarium, kind of like the term bokeh, um, in photography. And people will oftentimes refer to bokeh in photography as the amount of out of focus area. So they'll talk about a very shallow depth of field being like, Oh, that's Bocalicious. Like it's really a lot of out of focus and Boca <laughs> is not the amount of out of focus. It mm-hmm. is the quality of out of focus. So you can have very, very limited amount of out of focus area, but the rendering and um, the smoothness and the gradation and transition of into out of focus, that's Boca. And, and that's, that's kind of the aesthetic um, that we sort of aim for here. It's, it's a, you know, it's how you feel about it. And that's where the analogy for the journey comes into play is, you know, we put impetus on the destination so much, like we're going to go to Yosemite and very much, you know, the trip is about Yosemite and it's like, okay, so no matter what we do, we travel to Yosemite and then, you know, and then off we do our things and, and, you know, we come back home and then somehow the trip has ended and it's like, but that's just one destination in the continual journey. Like life is a big journey. And and dare I say that part of that, that journey, I mean, I've had better times going on trips to places, stopping at the diner on the way than, than the, than the destination. So I think it's a perspective. I've enjoyed the yeah, flight many more times. Time. Than I've enjoyed the <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, the, the entire <laughs> process is part of the journey. Um, and no one stop is more important than any of the other ones. And, you know, it's, right. it's just a way of thinking. So never, an aquarium is never mature. <laughs> It's never right. It's never mature. Never done. And did, did you notice to everybody out there listening that you, when you hear Johnny and I talk, you you often hear words like process. <laughs> you hear words like journey. You hear the word evolve or evolution. You because those are the things, in my opinion, that you value in this type of an aquarium, because it is not a static display. 
it's not going to look the way it does on day one. It sure will if you take out every single leaf and replace it every week and put it in the exact same position or you polish it off. You take that seed pod and you scrub off anything. You can keep it looking like day one, but it'll never realize its real potential because you're fighting nature the entire time. So absolutely patience Patience and understanding huge component and and patience is sometimes an understanding and and understanding not just your aquarium and what's going on but understanding what it is you're trying to to replicate in a way that's why i get so aggravated with these biotope aquarium things where i I saw something on a forum the other day where somebody was asking about they were showing a picture of their tank and it was some kind of biotope and somebody said well that's just a general south american biotope you know you want to keep this fish in there it's not you know, that's not the biotope of that fish. The biotope is very specific. And I'm thinking, what, what is the point? What does it matter? It's, it's a general look this person is trying to get. It makes them happy. Now, I granted, I, it's important to use the right terms and things, but I think we put such a premium on having everything so perfectly defined. And, I, and that's that whole start to finish. When is a tank mature? We, we have, this, have to have these parameters established with everything. And I don't think we need to do that as much and it's just yeah. enjoy like you said enjoy the journey that's why i love amano's my favorite concept from amano probably the only thing i really really studied hard about from takashi amano was his idea or his interpretation of wabi-sabi i just love that whole thing about transience and enjoying yeah worry process. less about the definition and whether or not you en- enjoy it you know um it's yeah. tough like you could take yellow wolf is it hip-hop or is it country or is it rock I don't know. I, I still listen to them. I don't care. I like <laughs> um, you know, and, and so I think we don't necessarily need to worry about what genre something falls into to enjoy it. Um, you just need to like exactly. it. And, and that's kind of what matters. So um, yeah, sorry uh, for, cool. for <laughs> taking that one. Off on the... No, we, we go, no, we do. We, this is part of what people like about it. These things is that we we're going to give you the honest answer, even if it takes you in a circle. That's what we do. Here's another one. I'll move on. This is one you're going to like. Um, this is from Amanda in Aberdeen, Scotland. Um, she said, "Again, hey guys, love the show. Big fan of the tint. Uh, this is a question for Johnny and Scott." Uh, do you guys like the idea of a large school yes. of pencil fish, which I love and which mm. species, or would you mix species? And that's a good question because I, I never mixed pencil fish species together and I don't know if they're found that way in nature, but I've never done it. I have my personal favorite and I know you have a couple of favorites. <sighs> What's your, I love pencil fish. I and think the last how big? couple of, yeah, the last couple of tanks that I've had, I've had yeah. shoals of, um, or groups of, of um, you know, pencil fish. I, I like all of them. Um, and so it, that's really tough for me. Um, I have marginatus right. right now. And, um, and Equus, uh, nice. is, Equus is, uh, you know, a big, big favorite of mine. Yes. I had that in my last South American layout. Um, it, it's, it's almost, it's going to be pretty rare to not see pencil fish inside one of my aquariums. So huge, huge fan um yeah you know i've never mixed species but if i don't see it happening a lot in the wild um i do it more out of the the you know the sanity of the fish um i'm not about to produce something that they're just going to be like ah 
right. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this. If I don't know, I'm, yeah, <laughs> it's just not one of those things that I do. Right. Um, I'm not opposed to seeing it if if it makes sense. Um, then again, long as they're happy, I, I, I you know, I, I couldn't care less. Yeah. And 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 they they have. I mean, some species. What the reason I like equas so much is because it it they fish have individual Great personalities personality. for a small fish they actually have distinct personality and that is so unusual for when you're used to tetras and things like that and these are not tetras they're a different family but they um i i, I love that particular fish they remind me of yeah. um they remind me of pipe fish it's the you know pipe fish yeah, have there's a behavior in their antics nature the in their their eye you can look at them yeah. and, and they're they're almost curious they're they're like hmm what's, yes. what's happening yes. here <laughs> and 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 just a perfect fish for this type of habitat because they are found in you know these heavily botanically influenced environments where there's tree branches and roots and stuff so perfect fish mm-hmm. you know the other one i like i think we said marginatus I, what's the one that they call uh Coral red. I just don't know. Just a variant of the little tiny guys. What is the purple one called? Purple. Ah, gosh. I'm like someone's gonna email me and say you're an idiot, Felman. But it's I don't remember. It's they're they're tiny and expensive. We need somebody Uh, to check this thing. Uh, It it starts with an M. Uh, Um, Yeah, I'm drawing a blank on it. That's one. Yeah, yeah, it does. And I'm Morton Halleri. And I should have had my laptop open, but. Yeah. Morton Halloran, yeah, Morton Halloran, yeah, the little guys, yeah, and those are cool. And I have never kept a large group of those because they're handsome so darn fish, expensive. handsome, charismatic, heart- um, beautiful little fish, really yeah. cool little fish. Uh, yeah. So, it, what was the question? Was it yeah. do we like them? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I don't. Oh, <laughs> as usual, we got so far off the rails. It was. It was. Uh, where is it? Um. We've got to find the question again here. My favorite uh, tinted water you, is this from uh, Scotland as well, by the way. Do you guys yeah, like oh, the yeah, idea yes, of a huge we, school we, we of do. pencil we, fish? We love, we love those. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I think a huge group would be cool. Yeah, that would be awesome. So, yes. And, and, and please, um, please send the scotch. That's what we would we would do. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. All right. Now we are moving on to uh, Port Chester, New York. This is from Jesse. Hey, guys. Love the show. First time caller, nice. long time listener. Ha! Funny. Okay. And old radio flashback there. Uh, what are your thoughts on checkerboard cichlids and botanical style uh, aquariums? Uh, oh, yeah, come on. I've, that's, I've okay. got that's one of our favorite fishes. Both love. Got them right now. Um, love. I, I, I love. Yeah. I mean, that, that's another must have. If you, if you have not kept them before, um, there's quite a few different you know, yep. species. Um they're all a must have yes. depending on your budget. Um, I, I can't think of a bad thing to say about yeah. them again. Now, and, and if we both kept them in groups too, I mean, I, I six yep. or more, they're very sociable, um, sociable fish. And once they establish themselves, they, they're, they, they uh, get along just yeah. fine. Uh, you know, I mean, um, pretty much any of those dicrosis, um, yeah, I have filamentosis right now, yeah. which are the 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 the, the cheapies. Um, filamentosis, the, the other one, yeah, uh, maculosis or yeah. maculatus. The one with the spade, the ponytail, um, macula- Yeah, yeah, th- those are yeah. those are gorgeous. The the I think the the only caveat I have about those fish that I've ever had is that when you get wild ones, 
they're a little, I don't want to say delicate, but they're a little touchy. Just they sometimes they don't start eating right away. They just take a little while to adapt. Must much of a problem in the life. In and the, I don't know if they need you know, to be warm. I've kept them in only in a black water environment for the most part in, in an established um, right. botanical style aquarium. I have them now. All my fish right now are, are, are wild. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I did just put them right in and, and they seem to do really well. Um, so they're just great you know, fish. Get them into in a tank. Yeah, I would yeah. not put them in a brand new tank. I wouldn't put um, them in a brand new tank. Yeah. I'd let, let it have a little bit of... Which I think works if you don't have really growing. boisterous fish, like some overly aggressive kerosens of some sort. Um, you know, putting them in later right. can actually do a lot for the tank. Um, it, it's, a, it's a fish that once it's established um, can have its own attitude. Um, and so I think introducing them later yeah. on, I do this also with rams. Um you know, the, the microgeophagus, they think I, I will put them into the tank after it's yeah. well established and things have kind of worked out their hierarchy. They have a place um, and it doesn't let them just overrun the aquarium. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that that's just a better dynamic in general. That's good. Good, good point. Uh, okay. Here is from Steve from Los Angeles, California. Homeboy. All right. One of our own guys. Uh, don't know if we ever met you, Steve, but his question is, is there a fish, a large fish that you would love to keep in a botanical style aquarium? What would that be? Large fish. I know what mine would be. Black goes knife. Black goes knife. I mean, what, what is, yeah. What is, uh, yeah, yeah. what is or large? I mean, discus or large. I love discus. I, I Right. I think, I think he means, well, I don't know. I'm going to have to read your mind, Steve, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to say he probably means like a big ass fish, Peacock you know, bass. Eight inches, 10 inches, something like that. So yeah. Yo, you've I been mean, talking about those, you know, too. anything so, like that, or even um, the larger, um, uh, like pike cichlids. You know what else is a cool fish? I wouldn't mind keeping oh, yeah. like headstanders, like, like abramites or, or leperinus, like a big, big old leperinus. Those would look cool in a botanical style. Yeah. In a big, big tank. Um, Stingrays. And head centers. I had, um, I had some, this, really, I'm not into stingrays. That's not my fish. But I had the, I had the head standers, Gelotus punctatus, the spotted head stander. And those were cool. They were interesting little fish. And yeah. Talk about a fish. That I mean, that's like extra oblique. oblique. And that's all they do. Very cool. You like it. You like oblique swimming. Yeah. You like very oblique angles. So that's cool. Um, good one. Okay, and now we're moving on. You oh yeah, absolutely. You feeling some energy? We can answer a few more. We've got a bunch. Okay, let's go to the next one. Oh, here's one you're gonna like. This is <laughs> this is a cool one. I think I like this one. I know you're gonna like this one. This is from Carrie in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Hey guys, absolutely love your show. Thank you. What do you think is the reason why Tannin started stands out as a brand? <laughs> I like Sorry. that one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're asking the brand guy why it's a brand. Um, right. Why we stand out as a brand? You want to charge her for this? We need a credit card. And we yeah. You know, I actually, I appreciate the question. Um, and I was, I was laughing because I was more surprised, um, that, that one, somebody acknowledged that it stands yeah. out. Um, Someone I, asked about that. I, um, yeah, it's hard for me to see that I'm aware that it's different. Um, you know, the, the construction of the brand and how we, you know, facilitate things is a little bit different than other brands is, is you may have heard. 
I think what's different is we focused on community first and as a brand, it yep. wasn't about making money, which I know is, is just contrary to most. Um, yeah, but we, it's, it's really, 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 really focused on brand it, first. It and, um, you know, I am a marketer, you know, that this is, uh, this is my hobby. The, the aquarium thing is, is my hobby. Um, and, you know, for both Scott and I, as much as we have to still make a living, um, doing tannin, you know, it's, it's very passion-based and it allowed us to view the market, um, and the space that we occupy in the market much more clearly. And, you know, it's a, um, it's always an exercise in creating signal rather than noise. And so if, if we sound like everybody else out there, we're doing something wrong because we're not being genuine to ourselves, And so it's a, it's a process of distillation, you know, it's what we'll yeah. right. And we're contributing so to the clutter, clutter out there. Um, yeah, that's what, yeah. nor are we, no, and we're not doing This isn't right. We're not doing it on things. Aren't yeah. We're not doing it to, to be different. We're just being ourselves and um, yeah. you know, sometimes it works. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and when it does, it's a beautiful thing. And the thing that I think is the most gratifying about it is that we mentioned this a long time ago when we first met about this, Johnny, you were saying you, you find your tribe kind of thing. And that, and that it's what happened. You, you act like yourself, uh, you express yourself in the best way you can and people that are, yeah. have common interests will find you and you'll resonate with some people. Some people you hate you. I'm sure there's plenty of people that hate listening to us. I know there's plenty of people that get pissed off at the stuff I write or, you know, whatever they think we know everything and we, you know, whatever we're, the people have said that we were claiming to be the originators of Blackwater Aquariums. Yeah, you're stupid. The stupid thing I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, this is, yeah, yeah, you're stupid. Go away. But no, but I mean, it's really about, like you said, it's a labor of love. It's doing something that we love and it just so happens it's pretty damn fun. And a lot of people are starting yeah, to enjoy it. Yeah, you hit too. on That's a lot of things that really are very important there and, and without having to charge anybody you know, we, we did establish well, well off and into the beginning before even putting really much of any product out, um, besides the basics, you know, who, who was our tribe? You know, we don't focus on demographics. We're not sitting out there, um, you know, going, Oh, you know, we we need somebody in this specific bracket and live specifically here. And they do specifically this, um, you know, the adjacents and this and that, um, Right. You know, we, we found a tribe that we think alike or um, enjoy being around and enjoy us. And, you know, we found editorial themes, which is something that we operate a lot from and the distribution channels for um, our content. And we put them in the places that the people that we enjoy wanted yep. them, not necessarily where they were. Uh, it's not it's not like, well, the most traffic is right. on on Facebook or the most traffic is on Instagram. Um, you know, if anything, we, we don't just do that, you know, look at our feed. We don't post every day. Why? Because we don't care about your algorithm. We, we, we don't, we post it when it means something. Yeah. And if we don't have anything to to say it. Exactly. Exactly. And I, and I remember when I first started out, I was putting out, I mean, I still do most days blog and do the podcast, but there's some days in just, wow, I don't really have anything I really want to talk about today. And I think 
that that's important. That's something that you taught me too. So it, it just frequency of things. I remember when you first started working with me on Instagram, especially I was a, every day I was, I had to put something out, had to put, I was so paranoid about, you have to be exposed. And then I realized this isn't fun because I'm forcing myself to don't, put up just anything just, just to have a presence. And I was like, that's not yeah. cool. And people follow well, And then trap. it's also your character and, yeah. and the character of the brand character of, of Scott and, and myself, it, how you do anything is yeah. how you do everything. And so I'm not going to do it unless I actually mean yeah. what it is that I'm doing. Um, you know, that's why you don't, you don't get a podcast with Johnny on it yeah. every day. Why? Cause I don't have anything to yeah. contribute every day. No, um, at least not in that capacity. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and, and it's authenticity in a way and being honest with yourself. And, and it's the same thing we feel, you know, it, this permeates not only the brand, but the art of botanical style aquariums, there's a certain authenticity to it. And there's a certain freedom and authenticity is super important to me. I mean, if I could talk about, you know, Johnny and I could have a long show about breeding, you know, placustomus or, yeah, or L1 you know whatever we don't breed for customers i've never bred one i don't i don't know yeah i keep an l134 but i've never but i've never bred one i don't know shit about that but i could talk about it i could do some research and have some notes and sit behind here and, and blab about things i don't know because you know fish you got to talk about that it's like no or we could talk about decomposing leaves because that's our game and we stay in our lane and our lane's getting real wide but it's only because there's so many tangential things that apply to it um, I don't know. I'm probably blabbing too much about that, but I think that that's just, there's a lot to being real. I think that's really important in a brand and it's important in the hobby too. I think we always, there's the, the problems in the hobby arise when people try to do something that's not what they really want to do. Yeah. They do it because other people want them to, yeah, or they think it's cool. And I know you and I have had lots of conversations about that. And I think it's the same with the brand. If you're trying to be what other people want you to be then you're nothing <laughs> you know you're nobody um because you're not yourself true it's really important have not been spoke that's that's um <sighs> yeah deep i was not yeah, i was blindsided like that by that one. that was kind of cool super hot love that one well it's time for another johnny question you're gonna like this one too this is definitely geared to you hey scott hey johnny johnny you're the <laughs> right. guy this one's for you pretty straightforward this is from this is from uh abe in uh tallahassee he says uh tallahassee florida yeah he said uh what's the best floating plant for a blackwater aquarium it's a great question i guess what do you think are we talking about something that just um doesn't have you know roots going into it at all you know into the water i mean i mean excuse me not into the didn't say just like floating plant substrate uh, I mean, we could we could be bringing in you know <laughs> like, uh, lilies and whatnot, but Kabamba, <laughs> right? I, I, literally floating plants. So go for it. Uh, if you had right now to go fill one of your tanks uh, with floating just plants, what standard would the floating plant be? Yeah, uh, what really? is it? Duckling. Lim cool. limnoidea. Uh, I don't. I don't know. It's something like that. Um, something. Yeah, really, really is. underrated. Um, not, not, yeah. And, and well, you know, we like things that, that suck. Um, so there's, there's just (laughs) something really, really beautiful about one, the bright contrast. Um, it doesn't take up a lot of, uh, of space vertically. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's very flat. It grows really, really quickly. Long Um, trailing roots. You know, you, you, you can, you can 
chuck it out if, if you need to as a sort of form of nutrient export um, as it's growing. But um, I like the effect that it provides on the aquarium, sort of this, um, it's like a cloud cover. You know, I, I, I like what it does. I'm not a big fan yeah. of like the larger, yeah. chunkier, um, at least not in smaller aquariums. I think that there's a scale issue there. And so I like the tiny, tiny, tiny duckweed. I think that it's really just pleasing looking. Um, yeah. I, I, I could be weird here, um, but I, I find it pretty enjoyable. No, I think I think that's uh, I think that's that's an interesting one because I I've never really thought of it as a tr- as like something you actually deliberately want to put in as a plant for the purposes of enjoying its aesthetics. But there is there a, is a, and it it adds something to, it, to the there? surface that makes it interesting. It makes it different. Um, you know, when I think of um, certain swamps, all there is is just duckweed, and it's like, oh, people, that that water is just nasty and green. I'm like, it no, it's it's just the surface, but. Um, you know, I, I quite like it. Right. Right. And there's a lot of life that lives in it too, which is interesting. You know, you know, the plant, the floating plant that I just got not long ago that I really like, I put it in my little jellyfish tank is it's Salvinia cuculata. It's like a That's tiny a nice miniature one. Salvinia. It's kind of cool. It looks like a, it's really cool. It I mean, it's pretty it much like what it is. It's like a, a medium, but, medium giant duckweed. I mean, there's a lot right. of other Salvinia that are, are really large and pretty showy and they're beautiful. I, I mean, I just right. think it's an entire uh, genre of plants that is oftentimes underutilized. Um, yeah. Well, because people want to build out a display from the bottom, right? So they want to have plants coming out of the substrate and with wood when it's at the surface, it's like, how do you see it? You see it either from the top yeah. down or you just see the roots, right? So people yep. it probably just goes out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. Huh? Great question though. Interesting. All right. And then, uh, yeah, it's a good one. All right. Ooh, here's, a, here's another one. For you. This is the last one of the day, actually. This is, uh, this oh, is nice. from Gabrielle from Paris, France. And she said, Scott and Johnny, love your show. Question for both of you. What do you do when you hit a creative block when scaping or ideating an aquarium that's actually a good one for you johnny because you were you've had much more aquascaping i mean the, experience, the, the answer sounds somewhat what, arrogant what, what but your, please what do you do when you... um i i would hope that you would hear it the way it is intended i don't have those i don't have a creative block because i'm not ideating um no i i don't um explain I don't really create the aquariums. I mean, again, this, this sounds like I, I rub crystals in a bit. Um, I'm more of a catalyst. I'm an instrument for nature. Um, I am oftentimes inspired uh, by a, a natural thing and I don't feel the need to create. So I'm not going to set out to do an aquarium if I'm not inspired. Oh, it's, it's not, you know, yeah. Right. I, I go, I get the aquarium like happy, because I already have, a, you don't have to do it. a source of inspiration or draw that I want to, to create something or, or become the catalyst for this, this thing. And so sometimes it's also, I'll find an element, like a certain set of, oh, excuse the cat, <laughs> a certain, uh, you know, a, a certain <laughs> arrangement of wood or a particular group of rocks or just even a substrate or some leaves that are really inspiring or a fish. 
Um, and so I have kind of a backlog of ideas that I'll, I'll probably never run out of inspiration at this point for things I'd yeah. like to do. So if the question is more geared around what happens when you can't make your elements that you have fit the picture in your head, then it's, um, that's, that's probably what it is. Try to try to not think about it so much. Um, it's usually thinking that gets in the way of doing. You, you know, I have a question for you that somebody asked me this recently and I, I, I was really at a loss to answer this one. What do you do? Do you personally, do you change your, like you start with the tank. Do you finish what you thought or do you change it? Do you ever get to a point where you do it and you go, ah, this isn't what I like. I'm going to change it up before you're done or do you sort of have the idea no i i I don't think anything really ever ends up like i I may see a piece of wood and go that's the face of the wood like that's that's the front side or um you know this is how that rock gets positioned and then put it into the into the glass box and it may get tweaked from there or i may see something else that was you know different about it after um, elements were combined and you're like, Oh, actually maybe that works differently this way. But, um, I let them, them being the, the elements, um, the, uh, the aquascaping materials dictate their position. Um, there's a natural flow to those things. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not really constructing or designing anything as much as I am just allowing it to, to get placed. That makes sense. You're like a, like you said, a catalyst. So that's a, that's a good point. Well, that was, I a mean, good we've, set of we've got the best huh? listeners, so a, I, I would expect nothing less. Um, the best listeners. Yeah. These are really good thought provoking questions. So yeah, well, hopefully we, uh, we, we covered the topic. That. Um, I appreciate all the other questions, but I, I really feel like, yeah. you know, the original question at hand. So if somebody's just, uh, you know, wants the answer, you had to wait all the way to the end. Um, there, there's no one specific formula. Focus on the things that the black uh, water aquarium is not. Um, you know, move move through those things. Uh, keep it simple, and um, you know, maybe we'll we'll do a detailed yep. write up on just the bullet points and um, make it really digestible for everybody. I, th- I think, yeah, I think we need to probably be more concise on some of these things. And uh, yeah, we're working on a few things that I think will be a little more instructive. Um, for, for 2021, you'll see a, a new look. Do you want to talk about any of the changes coming up? No, I don't want to talk about the really bitching new website uh, that we're building. Let that go. Yeah. super, yeah, because we don't want to leak any ideas about how we're interactive so, and we're so much secretive. more dynamic it's going to um, be. That might. <laughs> yeah, right. We're the worst. At that. That's why we still yeah, don't have No, no secrets around here. Um, lots of exciting stuff, though. I mean, it, there, there will be new and exciting yeah. things throughout the remainder of the year. Yeah. And um, 2021 is going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be rad. And, and again, we, uh, I can't say it enough of how, you know, grateful. I know Johnny feels the same, just grateful to have such really cool people that you inspire us as much as, you know, we, we hear a lot that we inspire you, but you guys inspire us and you push us, you make us think, you make us do better. Um, you, you know, inspire us to do things that are a little different. And, uh, and I think that's really special. So we have a great relationship with our community and we're, we're really, really 
grateful to have you guys along for this journey. And that's, as Johnny would say, that's what this is. It's a big journey. So thanks for being a part of it with us. I'm Anything hungry. to say in closing, Johnny? <laughs> You're hungry? It is dinner time. <laughs> it's time to eat. All right. Well, everybody, thanks so much for uh, spending part of your day with us. And I uh, hope you enjoyed this special one. We'll have a, we'll do some of these more often because we have more questions than, 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 uh, than I always thought we did. So it's a lot of fun to do that for you guys. So look forward to seeing everybody.